1: Hello, everybody out there. Welcome to another edition of Tradecast on Rotoviz Radio on the Blue Wire Network. As you are listening to this, the tampering window is in the books. Tampering windows in the books. Now you have real life non-tampering negotiations and signings happening as you are listening to this in your earholes. Are you pumped
2: for the tampering period that is currently going on as we speak? I'm just glad we're legally tampering now instead of illegally tampering because there's a massive difference. No, but my, I mean, obviously, you know, not breaking any
1: news here, but the funniest of all in the history of the legal tampering period, I think this came out like probably five, six years ago, the Bengals signing Alex Kappa at like 1201 and 39 seconds. It's like, you just negotiated a, a whole three-year contract in that 90 seconds that's, and sent it to Schefter. Very impressive.
2: They're quick. They're quick. You know, it's just uh, when you've done it for this long, Nathan, and you've done this many contracts and, and this many deals, it's just second nature at this point.
1: Like what, what, Like that conversation from Alex is it must have been like, for the Browns, yes, and then hung up. Bengals, you want to play for Bengals? And then hung up. Like that's the only way that you could possibly text Schefter, you know, three years, such and such million. Anyways. All right. So let's get into the show. Lots of news. You know, we covered the free the the franchise tags and the trades last week. Now we got a lot of the new signees. Um, the first two notes will kind of be like non for non free agency wise. First one, Amari Cooper. He was released by the Dallas Cowboys, so not technically like a pending free agent type of deal. Um, Mark Cooper uh, to the Cleveland Browns who are in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, but we're kind of avoiding that one for now simply because there's a good chance by the time you're listening to this, the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes are over. Um, So I guess we can kind of approach this a little bit from what are your thoughts on Amari Cooper to Cleveland with Baker
2: and Amari Cooper to Cleveland with non, a non-Baker quarterback? Well, I think those two things are significantly different. Uh, I think the Amari Cooper to, The current and existing Kevin Stefanski offense is sure great because he's going to be really the only person getting targets. But, I mean, what's 25% target share of 450 attempts? 110? Cool. He's going to get Jarvis Landry work with Jarvis Landry efficiency. Yeah, sure, Amari Cooper's better. But that that offense isn't opening up anything for Amari Cooper uh, unless every single play they run is play action because that's really all defenses have to worry about is Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt. So uh, I think unless they end up adding, you know, an Allen Robinson or uh, Will Fuller, you know, if if they don't add another piece, I, I get Donovan Peoples-Jones is is kind of a nice depth player. Uh, Anthony Schwartz in that category. They've got really nice tight ends. This team's built to run. That doesn't bode well for Murray Cooper. Sure, again, he, he's going to get the lion's share of 450 attempts, but... Going back three years in Stefanski's offenses, he's been bottom five in the league in attempts. And sure, he's had Baker Baker Mayfield for two years, but one of those years he did have Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins bookended those that one year. With, even with Mike Zimmer, with you know pretty pretty decent uh, margins as far as how many attempts were actually thrown. So Stefanski wants to run the ball; they're built to do so. So I, I don't love it. If now if Deshaun Watson goes there. I think then we can get into more of that, well, we need Russell Wilson efficiency, right? I think Deshaun Watson can provide that. I'd be less worried about Amari Cooper if it was Deshaun than I am right now. I I just, I don't see how he's a wide receiver too in any capacity.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the wide receiver two capacity would be just the fact that there is not much else in the passing game, like Hooper and Njoku are fine, but they have never, you know, been target hogs in the Cleveland offense. So I, I think that you know, looking at the wide receiver one in a run heavy offense can still produce, you know, wide receiver 20 to wide receiver 24 time numbers. I do think that the ceiling is much more capped than it would have been if he would have gone, you know, to, you know, a, a Kansas city or something to be like a second option, like being the second option in a pass heavy offense is better than being the first option in this, in basically one of the run, he, run, run heaviest offenses in the
2: modern era. Oh, unquestionably. And the, the big issue for me is just looking historically at A, Baker Mayfield, B, Kevin Stefanski, and C, Amari Cooper. Even though Amari Cooper's been pretty darn good when he's been used properly, he's been pretty much a flat line across the board uh, with big flashes and then disappearances. So uh, Amari makes up for a lot of his shortcomings with massive games, and that's kind of always been the M.O. with him in the NFL. He One game will look like prime Julio Jones and the next game he'll look like prime LaVisca Chenault and just completely disappear. So uh, I I struggle with this one. I I really do because I think realistically he's going to go like 65 for 804. The ceiling's probably like 70 for a thousand and six. So that's not super attractive to me. Yeah, that's probably wide receiver two numbers. But the latter or the former, I suppose, is um I mean you're looking at like mid to low end wide receiver three type stuff.
1: Yeah. All right. So let's move on to what I had first on the ledger and you bumped down Wouldn't allow it. It's the fake news media. Nope. Fake um, news. Brady's back. Back again. Brady's back. Brady's back. <laughs> Brady's back. Brady's back. Um, he unretired um, after 40 days and 40 nights of living with his children. was like, see you later. Uh, f- them kids as the, um, the meme says. <laughs> um, and so Brady's you back bleep on that.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> I, I forgot. I forgot that we're a kid friendly show. Tom Brady uh, also minor, minor note. He has a wire receiver three and Russell Gage signing Three years, $30 million. um, a little more than I would have paid the wide receiver three on the Buccaneers, but I'm not Jason Litt. The big impact of Tom Brady is, you know, I, I think that this guarantees that Chris Godwin doesn't hold out on the, on the tag. I, obviously, it's in the Bucks' best interest for him to not play on the tag to get the extension, both from a cap perspective and just not having to worry about this cap. Like, you know, this is turning to a Kirk Cousins situation where it's just getting franchise tag or at franchise tag. But in terms of the 2022 Buccaneers and the weapons, obviously huge plus for Evans, you know, raises his floor and ceiling, huge plus for Godwin. Um, do you, do you consider Gronk to be a lock to be back? Is he, is he going to be back by the time people have this in their ear holes? He has not signed at seven forty
2: one central time on March 15th. I would assume he will. Uh, Cause I think he was, you know, taking looks elsewhere, feeling like he still had plenty of football left in the tank and, Uh, You know, taking a year off, he I'm sure did a lot of fun things, but probably realized that that football was kind of it for him. So uh, I would imagine he'll be back. I I feel like they'll make whatever they need to work. The the big thing here is, uh, are we expecting 45 year old Tom Brady to lead the league in attempts and for him to have career highs and attempts and completions and, uh, you know, second his second highest touchdown total? Uh, do we anticipate this to continue happening? Uh, let me weigh in. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they,
1: they, all, all hold on. The,
2: hold on. All. Before you go, there's absolutely no way he's throwing 720 attempts again. Go ahead.
1: They, they're they not going to get at least one of their two. Like They're probably not going to get either of Ronald Jones or Fournette back, but if they do, they'll get one of the two back. And so the running back situation will be worse than it was in 2021, which, and also, um, if you've looked at the Buccaneers' schedule, it is a lot, a lot harder in terms of opposing offenses than it was in, in 2021. So I, I think that the Bucks will certainly be trailing more in 2022 than they did in 2021, and I think that will result in similar volume. I think that you might see less passing in positive game scripts, which you basically you saw all of 2021, no matter what the game script was they were throwing. I think that they might try and give Brady's arm a little bit of a break when they have that positive game script. But I think they're going to have that negative game script more than they obviously had in the last two seasons.
2: Yeah, I I fear that, especially again. I mean, Brady somehow looked like he had completely rebounded after. Uh, a 2018 and 2019 where he just kind of looked, you know, with like dead armed, you know, kind of like how Breeze looked at the end, how Roethlisberger has looked, how Philip Rivers looked. Peyton Manning. Um, Peyton. Yep, for sure. It, it just felt that way. And then uh, I'm guessing some stem cells were injected at some point. And uh, he, if his arm was revived. You know, he he had only thrown for more than, uh, I think, 38 touchdowns or 39 Uh, And that was the 2007 year with Randy Moss where Randy Moss had like a thousand catches when he had 50 in the last two years, he had over 40 touchdown passes. So now with the added 17th game, I feel like that's probably still a lock for him to get over. If it was like 39 and a half or 38 and a half, probably taking the over and attempts wise, you know, like you said, I don't think he's going to be throwing it 700 times again. But that's also not that far off from like six fifty, which is probably where I would guess. So, because of game script, I think you're right. I think this is just going to be an absolute, just fantasy heaven. Uh, It's going to be crazy, and it's frustrating to know that Bruce Arians hashtag is confirmed to hate Tyler Johnson more than everyone else. (laughs) Yeah, no, Tyler Johnson. Not a thing.
1: Um, all right. Let's move on to the other another Florida team. Actually, we're on back to back, back to back to back to back, back to back Florida teams. We have Jacksonville Jaguars and then coming up soon. The Dolphins. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars are loading up. Uh they are loading up on expensive players in free agency, including Christian Kirk pay him paying him a top five wide receiver salary. Uh Evan Ingram paying him about ten million dollars, and Zay Jones paying him around the same as well. Um I don't mind the players here. I, I, and it's hard to really mind the salary because maybe they have to overpay because no one wants to go to Jacksonville. Um, But Jacksonville should be an attractive landing spot. If people have faith in Trevor Lawrence, I, my fear is that this, the ceiling on these players are a little bit capped, not because there's so much other else around them, but just ceiling in terms of their, their athletic abilities and their talent. And so, is Christian Kirk going to be a guy who can be an NFL wide receiver one? I don't see that being the case. Like I, I think that Kirk and Chark have similar level talents and I'm, and as Chark is not, or actually no Chark signed uh one year down in Detroit. Um, but I don't think that his number is going to come anywhere close to Kirk. And I think that would have been similar talents. I think that the winner among all this is Lawrence and, and Ingram. I think Ingram's the big winner here. Um, cause I think that he's going to be in a good space to be a low end tight end
2: one. Here's my issue. They spent all of this money when they could have gotten proven, you know, higher-end assets. They spent all of this money, and I don't see how they upgraded. All they did was add depth. None of these players are better than Marvin Jones, who they still have. None of these players are better than LaVisca Chenault, who they misused. And none of these players are better than DJ Chark, who was injured and they now lost. They bring in a slot receiver in Christian Kirk, who is, I mean mediocre maybe it's slightly above average i don't see how you pay him the money that they paid him uh it's just it's that one's completely beyond me evan ingram has immense upside but we've been saying that for 37 years and he just really has never reached his potential i don't see how he's that big of an upgrade over dan arnold and then zay jones who is an nfl journeyman he's great depth but he's depth he is not starter worthy and uh, you know again they still have marvin jones We'll see what they do with LaVisca Chenault. Maybe someone figures out actually how to cast him, <laughs> how to use him on the field. But they spent $120 million on all of these players and, and maybe made a slight bump to their offensive line. It, it's confusing to me. It, you know, it's fine for Lawrence because he's just going to you know, have more incomplete passes to people being overpaid. So I, I, I don't know. I, I really hope Marvin Jones stays healthy. I hope that whoever's running the offense, it it figures out LaVisca Chenault uh, or they just trade him because that would be better. It's uh, it's a gong show. You know, I put I retyped after you typed loading up into quotes because it's hilarious. The people that they decided to spend all of this money on.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's somewhat reminiscent of the Patriots last offseason where people kind of head scratched a little bit at the Kendrick Bourne and the Nelson Aguilar signings. And, you know, it's debatable, like, how much those worked out. Yes, they, they were productive players, but how much were they productive for their price tag? So I, I think that's kind of what you would compare it to, um, you know, also, you know, trying to load up for a,
2: a young quarterback. Um, any, any last words on Jacksonville? Well, I, when you say, when you bring in the, the New England thing, I mean, you, you're putting those guys into a proven system that we know works. Jacksonville has absolutely nothing and no ground to stand on and we're just trying to throw a hodgepodge of players that haven't proven absolutely nothing aside from them being depth players. That well,
1: sure. I mean, Ingram has proven and then unproven things. Like he, he was a top tight end his first two years. In the oh league. yeah.
2: Wildly inconsistent is the issue with Evan Ingram and the yeah. New York Giants are, are a part of that. But you know, we, we always say talent wins out. That's something that I've, I've started to actually take to myself because of how much you've harped on it. And with Evan Ingram, man, I I, I mean, I just don't know that he's as talented as we thought he was. And at this stage in his career, he should have done more regardless of how bad the offense was around him, how bad his quarterback play has been. Uh, I feel like he should be in that top five to eight tight end category. And I just really don't see it at this stage.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the floor is definitely still astronomically low, but the ceiling of the Jaguars landing spot is higher than most of the
2: other landing spots Ingram could have landed on. Sure. And I'm, I'm completely fine with that. I think they need to feature him if that is the real goal, uh, which is going to be really hard to do when you still have Marvin Jones, who was without a question, their best wide receiver last year, then you go and spend $20 million annually on Christian Kirk. Let's
1: head South to the Miami dolphins for, they signed a trio of veterans, Teddy Bridgewater, Chase Edmonds, Cedric Wilson. I remember having this conversation about Jacoby Brissett this time last year that Brissett was the perfect option for a backup to a guy who can come in and and handle business when needed, but it's not going to pose a threat. I think you can pretty much copy and paste what I said there, except for I think think the difference is that Teddy can win you a game if it's absolutely needed. And I think that Brissett showed he's not that guy. I think Brissett is clearly you know, the clipboard warrior that he's going to be for the next, you know, five to six years. I think Bridgewater has a little bit more, you know, in-game upside th- than Brissett. Um, but I
2: still think that there's very little threat to, to Tua as a quarterback. Uh, I, I think there's less of a threat to their conference uh, or their division than there is to the Miami Dolphins. I, I think Teddy Bridgewater is an upgrade to Tua at this stage. We've seen, we have seen little to nothing from Tua to say that he is head and shoulders better than Teddy Bridgewater – We've actually seen Teddy perform and win games uh, for some broken teams. Uh, this this is good because the chances of Tua not being 100% for 17 games, uh, probably, uh, you know, 25 to 40% chance. Uh, and, you know, Teddy obviously has had his injury woes as well. But I would say for 17 games, these two guys should be able to completely form one quarterback season And uh, what I do like that that Miami did, I I think Teddy's a really nice backup, but I think Chase Edmonds is going to be a nice boost here. Uh, You know, there was some high expectations within the the Twitter community, just the fantasy community in general uh, through Miles Gaskin. And I think we kind of always were on the wavelength of probably not it chasing volume, but don't think so. Chase Edmonds in Miami if Tua can start to get better and start to progress and start to actually show he's an NFL quarterback, Chase Edmonds could provide some really nice upside and, and end up being like, he can sneak into like a low end RB one situation if he gets the touches. And if they don't go full committee, like they've been doing, uh, I think it works for everybody all around because if you have a real run game in Miami, that opens things up for Waddle that opens it up for Gasecki. Uh, you know, whether or not Cedric Wilson becomes a starter, who knows? Uh, you know, I think you still have Devonte Parker floating around as well. So, uh, I mean, there's some, there's sneaky depth here and better weapons than what Jacksonville has without question. And th- this could end up being a pretty decent and affordable fantasy roster. Yeah, we, we've been chasing
1: the Dolphins RB1 for the last two or three years now. And it seems like this is finally going to be the one that is not in, a di- not an NFL or I mean not a fantasy or dynasty RB one, but you know a Dol- the Dolphins RB one who can be a legitimate you know top sixteen to twenty type option in PPR. So I I think that he is going to emerge past the level of like committee back because he's he he has that talent level. He got that type of of you know money commitment that you know he's. I think that he's going to have a gain in value and it's going to be apt. Um, And then Cedric Wilson, I think is a very sneaky buy. I, I think that obviously he's probably a little bit more expensive than he was with the Cowboys, but also I think that he has legitimate, like, you know, NFL wire receiver two, maybe NFL wire receiver three, like fantasy wire
2: receiver five type value. Well, and there was a time that, that Cedric Wilson was kind of relatively highly sought after, uh, you know, coming coming out of Boise State and, and given, getting drafted by the Dallas Cowboys eventually. But I, I think he started out as as a much higher regard, maybe not like super high regarded, but I think he started out in that like round three to four range and then started to slowly slide into five. And then I think he ended up getting picked in the sixth round by the Cowboys. But, you know, he's not he's not an explosive playmaker by any means. Uh, but you know, he, he's got decent size. He's like six, two, six, three, probably two ten in that range. That's, that's a nice outside, you know, just big body to have for red zone work. So, you know, if he doesn't stick, obviously they still have Gaseki, who's just going to keep being the monster that he is. But, uh, I do think I, I'm kind of with you that, that said Wilson could be a, a sneaky, a sneaky buy here.
1: Now let's hear from ourselves. Roto Viz.
0: Hello there, Column Kelly here, co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast. I just want to take a moment to let you know, as a loyal Road of His Podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Road of His NFL Pass. All you have to do is head on over to rotaviz.com, add the subscription to your basket, and add the promo code RVRadio2022 at checkout. That'll get you 10% off. It'll get you access to all of our content and tools. And of course, set you up for success in all your 2022 fantasy football rosters. That code is RVRadio2022. I hope you enjoy the podcast.
1: That's it. Get your promo code RV radio, 2022 10% discount for your kids, your uncles, your cousins, everything you need. All right. DJ shark, not the most exciting landing spot. I think we might be a, the problem is that this is a landing spot. That's a year early to being good. And it's a one year deal. So like if DJ shark re signs with the lions in 2023, when they have a, a Bryce young or um, CJ Stroud, then I might be excited, but I think that we're in for another year of Jared Goff and all of the you know analytics people uh, mentioned. Basically, DJ Chark, where does he win in the the you know in the long game in the, the deep game, and where does Jared Goff struggle mightily in the deep game? So, and it, I don't think the skill sets of Goff and DJ Chark quite match up. I like DJ Chark going to a team that seems to be building a nice young core of amon modern Brown and Deandre Swift and TJ Hawkinson. I'm just not sure the quarterback fits quite yet.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, Goff was always just the, uh, the, the backfill for Stafford and they probably had their eyes on 2023. Like most teams that are in need of quarterback have, uh, and haven't, aren't really like, you know, chasing this 2022 class because we kind of all know that it's not great. I think Malik Willis probably has some decent potential, but Detroit is is more than likely putting all their eggs in the 2023 basket. So uh, you know, they they're, they're going to it's the Detroit Lions. They're going to be throwing the football quite a bit. Obviously, uh Swift when he stays healthy, he's going to be a problem on the ground as well. I would uh anticipate that split between Swift and uh Jamal Williams to to probably be kind of in that same 60-40 realm as far as carries. And I would expect DeAndre Swift to continue to dominate the the targets there. But when you look back at last year, obviously, Amon Rossane Brown had 120 targets. Uh, TJ Hawkinson only played 12 games, but had 84 targets. So they're pushing pretty much for the same type of target share in that offense. Uh, DeAndre Swift played 13 games and had 78. So he's, he's just behind those two. And then you've got like Khalif Raymond and Josh Reynolds, who they added. Uh, later on, you know, Jamal Williams getting a little bit and then there's just a bunch of nobodies. So I really think DJ chart can come in here. I think he's probably looking at between 80 and maybe 95 ish targets. If, if, you know, they prop up that, that attempt total a little bit more, they threw five, well, there's 565 targets last year. Who knows how many that, uh, what's his nuts threw away? Probably they're probably going to be in the 600 to 650 range would be my guess. And if, if Chark can be, you know, any capacity, you know, if he can sniff 90 targets, I I think he can do enough down the field, assuming health, that he, I mean, I would make a bet now that DJ Chark outscores Amari Cooper this year. Uh, I'll, I'll take that bet. (laughs) All right. Dinner. I will take, uh, I'll take DJ Chark. Hold on. Baker Mayfield has to be the Cleveland Browns quarterback. That's the only, that's, that's the some only side.
1: That's BS. <laughs> uh, but anyways, all right, well, let's rapid fire through these last few topics. Uh, any excitement for C.J. Uzoma or Braxton Barrios back with the Jets? Barrios, Barrios classic type of guy where you're going to find him on the waiver wire in week 14 every year. You're going to be able to start him because of bye weeks and injuries. But other than that, he doesn't matter for fantasy. Uh, C.J. Uzoma, a little bit more interesting. Um, but I think that his upside is entirely tied to Zach Wilson exploding.
2: Well, I think everything's tied to Zach Wilson being an actual NFL quarterback. But I I think there's a decent chance that Braxton Berrios slowly becomes Cole Beasley. We saw Cole Be- Beasley start kind of similarly, slow through his first few years, and then all of a sudden he was a staple in the Cowboys. He's a staple in Buffalo. You know, he, he was getting real work because the slot matters. We've, we've seen these slot receivers, big and small, uh, just absolutely dominate when when given the proper opportunity. So uh, as much as I like Elijah Moore, and I, I think, you know, he can probably thrive in that role as well. I feel like he's more suitable to be outside. You put Berrios inside and maybe, uh, you know, Corey Davis uh, on the other side, that, that that to me makes a heck of a lot more sense. Plus, you know, CJ U- U- Uzoma is is a nice tight end piece. He that's one of those later round guys where you just grab them because you know they're going to score. He did really nice things for uh, Cincinnati. Obviously, he went healthy, but that uh, that seemed to be a little bit more of a struggle as it is with a lot of tight ends. So I think both of these guys are going to be just those guys that stick to your the back end of your roster and. You know, you you hope to be able to plug him in once or twice, but at this stage, they're just depth. I do think that Berrios has a decent opportunity, uh, especially because it seems like they really like him and and obviously bringing him back for another contract that matters. So, I would, if I was going to bet on one of these guys, I'm probably betting on Berrios, but I do think that CJ Uzoma in this horrendous tight end uh, group that we've got has some decent upside.
1: And quickly, Bengals loading up on offensive line help. We saw this coming. We kind of were hoping for it a little bit more, lat, you know, in 2021, but maybe a year late. But it is what it is. Uh, you know, positives for all around for Burrow, Chase, Boyd and Higgins.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're probably still one piece away from having like a an actual offensive line. But this is massive because. That was kind of always that was the game plan for every team. Just get to Burrow. I, I think he got I think he led the league in, in sacks, right? He had to have. Like a yeah, thousand or I mean, something.
1: C- cer- certainly during the postseason.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness. The, I mean, if when the Raiders get you like 15 times, whatever that was, you know that there's issues. So uh, this is definitely the step in the right direction. Obviously, when they were that close to a Super Bowl, winning a Super Bowl, they were in the Super Bowl, but uh I, I think making the the differences it to always be in the trenches. So this to me is massive. Uh, I think if they can, if they can finalize their bookends and, and get everything square, um, that's going to be really great for Joe Burrow and this offense has an entire in its entirety. And they really have no, no holes if, if they can even get an average line, this team offensively is untouchable. And Cowboys bring Michael Gallup back I was a
1: little surprised how much money he got coming off the injury, and they basically cut Amari Cooper to be able to keep Michael Gallup. Granted, you know, I I would have expected the gap from Cooper's cost to Gallup's to be a little bit uh, higher. Um, what are your thoughts on on him? Do you do you expect him to play early based on this contract?
2: Yeah, I I think um, I'm I'm guessing they got the full go ahead as far as medical goes. So for me, this is a a great buy for Dallas to get him cheap because of the injury, but also it's good for Michael Gallup to stick in an offense where he's seen great production, you know, obviously having, having them bring in CD lamb the year after he, you know, he has a, a, a strong 2019. Um, that was unfortunate because Gallup and Cooper were really nice together, but I think Gallup and CD can be even better together. Uh, I, I think that Gallup is, is going to be locked in, in in a wide receiver two spot. I think both these guys uh, absolutely should be scoring in the top 24 of wide receivers, uh, assuming, again, assuming Dak's healthy. That's the big question. Uh, but, you know, he's going to have over 100 targets. That's, you can lock that up. He should be over 60 catches. He should be in that thousand yard range. Uh, Dalton Schultz and and CD are probably going to vulture, most of the red zone stuff we'll probably see Pollard and Zeke get a decent amount of the, of the red zone looks as well. i think the the touchdowns you're chasing with Gallup are going to be the ones that are you know 20 to 40 yards where he i mean where he seems to excel is is down the field. i mean he in 2019 the, the year we kind of while we're like, oh there's Gallup, there's michael Gallup. I, I think he was like 17 yards a catch or something like that, which is phenomenal and and that's what we continue to to hope to see obviously in 2021 he wasn't healthy. Uh, in 2020, he kind of got thrust into a different role because of having C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. So this should allow Michael Gallup to play on the outside exclusively and uh, and and just kind of be free to win because teams are always going to focus Ceedee Lamb.
1: And Steelers signed Mitchell Trubisky. We did this Trubisky spiel a few weeks ago, and I was like, hey, are you hearing the rumblings that he's going to be a starting quarterback? And he signed starting quarterback-ish money. He, what he signed was guy who's going to get a first-round quarterback drafted next to him money. And so I I think that they're in position to get a guy like Matt Coral or a Sam Howell. I I know that the dreams are probably Malik Willis, but it seems like he's probably going to go earlier unless they trade up. Um, Any, any dynasty thoughts on
2: Trubisky? I I, honestly, I think this is, is, uh, you know, prep for them getting Malik Willis. I think their plan is to go up and get him. Uh, I I think that they like what they've seen. I, I know that Seattle, um, was was also interested, you know, from what I had heard. So it'll probably be those two battling to, to see where they have to climb to get Malik Willis. And, you know, it's fine for Trubisky. It's probably a half a season gig, maybe one full season. Treat him like a, uh, you know, like a a redraft asset. Treat, I see- treat, treat, treat him like
1: you've treated Tyra Taylor for the last 10 years. <laughs>
2: Yeah, or or Teddy Bridgewater, or or Jacoby Brissett, or yeah. all of the all of the journeyman guys that you know will stick here and there, will catch a couple of games. They're never going to have dynasty value, uh, even though some folks on Twitter with check marks seem to think. <laughs> uh, hashtag subtweet. Um, yeah, it's fine. You know, he, he doesn't have any dynasty value in my opinion. Maybe you know, maybe a mid pick, but I'm I'm not. I wouldn't move like a first to be. Oh, I needed. I'm one quarterback away. Well, uh, oh, yeah. that one quarterback uh, isn't Mitch Trubisky. I can tell you that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. No matter the situation, I would snap except any pick 206 or higher. 207 is where I'm like, if I need a quarterback, I'd I'd rather ride out, you know, the first eight weeks sure. than, than give the, away for the 207. Um, and let's wrap the show. Um, Deshaun Watson, you know, as of the time we're recording, the the rumblings are. Atlanta, New Orleans, Carolina, San Francisco, Cleveland. Is there a name outside of those that, that you think uh, is a dark horse? Or do you think one of those ends up having defense pass thrower Watson this time next week? Well,
2: I think Carolina's got to just be it. If Carolina isn't it, then I really hope it's Cleveland. Because if Cleveland isn't it, then I fear it's Atlanta. And if it's Atlanta, I'm probably selling all of my Deshaun Watson because that's not good. They have a singular weapon. They have a horrible, let me repeat that, horrible offensive line, like bottom three or four, and a a terrible defense. Oh, sure, you're going to have volume, but that's also more volume and more dropbacks for Deshaun Watson to get hit. So uh, Kyle Pitts is great, but... He can't save an offense. They can draft whoever they want. There's no difference makers in this class. They're, you know, they're not going to be able to get a running back that's going to change how that looks. This in the short term, if it's Atlanta, is a nightmare. Uh, long term could end up being good. You know, you like having a an upper echelon, potentially elite piece in Kyle Pitts. Maybe the plan is once this happens, you you go grab Allen Robinson, you bring in Will Fuller. That's different.
1: But also the Falcons have zero zero dollars in cap. So. Zero,
2: well, actually negative dollars. So yeah, uh, they've got to do some things to make anything happen. I don't see how they surround Deshaun Watson with any usable pieces outside of Kyle Pitts. So the the greedy Deshaun Watson owner in me genuinely hopes it's Carolina. Uh, the lesser greedy <laughs> me <laughs> hopes it's Cleveland. But um, you know we're we're due for a move. I, I, he's not playing in Houston. We know that. Yeah.
1: But also, to wrap up, the fact that the San Francisco has semi-legs is the craziest thing that could happen. Like, if Deshaun Watson basically gets traded for Trey Lance, like, Dynasty Twitter is going to explode.
2: Well, all that will prove is that either A, Kyle Shanahan can't develop a quarterback, or B, Trey Lance is actually bad, like most of us think. So, we'll see. All right, that should wrap up for this evening.
1: And we're sorry that all this is outdated by the time you listen to it. <laughs>